moment on the way home from work today when my brain was like, do I really want to go get caffeine <laughs> after work? You know, try to hit traffic. And then I went, oh, that's right. We're talking about this trilogy today. Yeah. I'm going to need that caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Solos. And I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films, whether time by cast and crew, <coughs> numerical order, thematic elements, etc. We talk about each film and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, after doing the Vengeance Trilogy, we thought we would do something a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more topical, because the third film in this trilogy just came out as of this recording, and that is, in case you didn't listen to our last episode, the Equalizer Trilogy. Yes, sir. And that is 2014's The Equalizer, 2018's The Equalizer 2, and this year's The Equalizer 3. <laughs> and in case you were wondering, Logan doesn't need uh, caffeine because this is going to be a long episode. He he needs it just to just to have this muster up yeah, the strength I'm, I'm to going, talk at length. I'm going about these. to narrate as I hit my metaphorical watch, <laughs> like the equalizer. And while he says nine seconds, nine and seconds. Tries to, I'm going to say ninety minutes is the cutoff point. <laughs> Because I don't know if there's enough here to talk about in all three of these films. In the unlikely event that we make it past 90 minutes, you might just hear a hard cut off. I would, and it'll go to the next There's episode. a part of me that really wants to do that. <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right, though. There's not a ton to say. Yeah. Uh, because personally, I feel not necessarily in quality, but like my takeaway is almost exactly the same from all three of these is it's just the missed opportunities wasted potential way too much sitting around and talking which is interesting because it's like if anyone has listened to if you've listened to this podcast long enough you know that we have no issues with people sitting down and talking no Uh, the issue is is with a film like this it is odd that that is the focus. Right. Especially when a lot of that talking leads to very little development. Right. It but, would but, be one thing if these had a really resonant, you know, emotional arc or, yes. or compelling mystery behind them, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They're just filling space because I guess they can't afford to do more action than what we yeah. see. But before <laughs> we get into actually talking about at least the first film little background on if you don't know what the equalizer is because yeah. to be honest before the first film came out if it wasn't for wolf of wall street having a section right. where rob reiner yells about how he's missing the fucking equalizer when someone's calling him yeah would have never known that the show existed but in case you need a refresher the equalizer was a show from 1985 to 1989 that was four seasons 88 episodes about like an ex-fed agent turned private eye that basically helps people that are like scammed by scummy people, stopped crime lords, basically just right. episodic television of the 80s. And after that, <laughs> there is literally a gap up until the production of this film, which before we actually talk about the plot of this film, I want to play a game with Andy because I feel like he could guess this well. I want you to guess how this film got into development because there's three, I'll give you three categories. One, is this a studio that bought the rights just because of, like, you know, nostalgic value and they're like, oh, we could make a movie series right, out of right. this? Is this a director who was like, I watched this as a kid slash when I was younger and I really think I could make something good with this? 
or is it C, is this an actor who is like, oh, I've always loved doing, like, I've always wanted to do something like this. I love the show. You know, this studio's doing this. I want to know if I could, like, lead this film. Right. And, you know, put this project into fruition. Which one do you think it is? Well, Logan, you do my research skills a disservice. I figured you Because did this I just looked at a wiki page two minutes ago and <laughs> saw the answer. I did the same thing hours ago. <laughs> so at least you know the answer for those yeah. out there. This film was originally a Russell Crowe passion project that was given to Sony in 2010. It was announced in 2010 that he was working with Sony right. to do a Russell Crowe-led equalizer film. And I think they even had the director attached or at least the director he wanted uh, to do paul haggis paul haggis and then a year after that in 2011 it was announced by sony that the film was still in development but instead it was starring and produced by denzel washington and due to training day his experience working with anton fuqua there washington asked fuqua to direct the equalizer and now we're at the first film right the first film is probably out of these three the best question mark (laughs) but in reality it's because i think it's has the most to prove because if this is like this is a first film that is like well if we want to make more of these we have to give people like something sure and this film is basically if you think of what an action film like, think in your brain what, like, the standard above average action film plot could be. And probably six times out of ten, you might get it the first time with right. this film without having to redo it. Because, like, the premise here is Denzel Washington works at Home Depot. It's not called Home Depot. But he's basically an old man that works at Home Depot. He's very OCD, very meticulous, can't sleep. Yeah. Keeps to himself. He's very charismatic, but that's because it's Denzel Washington. Right. Um, he can't sleep, and so every now and again he hangs out at this diner, and he's... I can't... They say that he's, it's, that this prostitute is his friend, but I think it's more of an acquaintance. Yeah, I think it's more um, like they just see each other at the diner or whatever. Yes, um, and there's a prostitute played by Chloe Grace Moretz that he's very friendly with, and they talk and hang out, and... Uh, I mean, probably the closest to a friend that he has. Yeah. Because he's not very close to many people. And then one night, uh, she gets, she doesn't show up to the diner. He finds out that her pimps beat the shit out of her. So he tries to yeah. take matters in his own hands. And all the all the Russian mob peep, people that, you know, are her boss are horrible. Yeah. And he's the equalizer. <laughs> and so he equalizes... Yeah. And then the rest of the film is like the consequences of him equalizing right. those monsters. Well, and the weird thing is, I and I've never seen an episode of the Equalizer television show. Neither have I. Um, but based on the descriptions of it and, the, you know, the premise as written and that sort of thing, the the movie sounds like a very, like a like a special episode of the show or like a, or like a, a season finale or something where it's like, oh, now it's personal and the stakes are raised and he's going up against something bigger than he ever has before. Yes, yes. That's kind of what this feels like because it's, it's you know, he's taking on kind of a, a gang or a mob of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he, he's more personally invested in it, even though 
he barely knows this person. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's weird thinking about these movies as like an adaptation of something because they're so far removed from each other and it's not a very, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like a, an adaptation. It, it kind of just feels like, well, they took the name and like small parts of the concept. Yeah. And it's weird too. Cause it's like, yeah, <clears throat> I, th- I think the cheapest way you can make an adaptation like this and you bring in characters from the show is like, you make a big deal. Like, you right. basically have, like, my name is Khan moments sprinkled <laughs> yeah. throughout the series. It's just like, oh, that's the guy from yeah. that episode. But and it's like. To be honest, even if this trilogy has those, I would never recognize them. I, I, I don't know I, the I don't know what anyone. All. Yeah, I haven't really seen anyone <laughs> who even likes these films talks about, like, references to the show. It's yeah. more just like it's I Denzel. Think, I think that's because a lot of people. I mean. I think maybe older people or people of our parents' generations would know about, like, would remember the Equalizer show. I don't know that 95% of people our age or even a little bit older would know anything about the Equalizer show. No, yeah, because, Other like, than maybe that it exists. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, yeah, again, with parents' generations, it's like with my parents, it's like my mom, I believe, you know, my mom was 13 when the first season aired mm-hmm. and my dad was nine. Did they watch it? I, I never have knew they it ever existed. Me- they've never mentioned it. They've never it. mentioned it. They've never mentioned it. <laughs> it's like, it. yeah, this it, it's kind of like Mission Impossible uh, if, yeah, if, yeah. if nobody ever watched the original show. But what's great about that first <laughs> Mission Impossible adaptation is like when you find out if you do research that John Voight is supposed to be playing yeah, or, or, that I mean, guy. At the time when that movie came out, there would have been plenty of people who had seen the original TV show. I mean, the original TV show was pretty mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. Um, uh, like, my parents loved the TV show and then went and saw the movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely picked up on the the carried-over elements. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a funny thing, too. But I this, guess, I just yeah. can't imagine anybody sitting down to watch these movies is like, oh, yeah, it's that thing or that guy from the show. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> odd because it's like, I thought it was like, is this, is the Equalizer also a series where it's like they tried to do something in the 2000s and it just like it didn't happen? Yeah. Like, is it a Charlie's Angel situation right. where it's like that's a show that for some reason people won't let go of? So yeah. they try to reboot it again in tv form and it doesn't work and so you try this or that but yeah no i don't yeah i don't understand it, Under, uh, other than the the main reason why this film works and i think sells well is because of denzel yeah it is yeah. denzel oh, the only is, reason these movies really exist or at least the only reason that we have a trilogy of them is yes. denzel people like watching denzel do anything i made a joke after we saw three about what we should call the series, where <laughs> like with our Denzel needs another Oscar trilogy, it the sub like a alternate title for this trilogy is Denzel needs another few million. Yeah, because this really is a t- series where it's like there I I don't know how this could be anyone's favorite Denzel film because in reality there's just nothing here for him right other than for him just to be Denzel. Yeah, and it's enough. It's enough for an action film when it comes to like certain scenes yeah. it's scene by scene but when it comes to like the emotional moments you just don't give a fuck about robert call no yeah as a character it's really it's in these movies denzel is kind of like in in dialogue like through his dialogue di- um denzel feels like he's basically playing himself and that it's just a bunch yes, of opportunities yes. for him to kind of tell people well, this is what you need to do with your life, or this is how you can fix the problems in your lives, or don't give up, 
or don't be a coward. It's just kind of like Denzel spouting truisms like he does in a lot of his press interviews. It's um, yeah, it's, I think it's the worst in two. Yeah, it's, oh, he's, he's, absolutely the he's worst. He's got the in relationship two. with a kid in two that is like could become a gangster. Is like he's basically yeah. being modeled to become a gangster, and right. Denzel doesn't want that for him. Yeah, and so then Denzel's going on all these. Yeah, or Robert is going on all these diatribes about you know. You can't blame anybody else for your problems, and you gotta pick yourself up by your bootstraps and live the American dream or whatever. From a man that basically killed people for a living. <laughs> yeah, he's an assassin. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was. He was basically an assassin for the military. And, and now then, he's an assassin for free. Well, let's yeah, again. This is another thing, and this is so he's a murderer. We will try to have the same kind of cohesion that we have with like uh like our cohesion with our episodes like where we go filmed by film by film but there's so little here yeah that we might just blend into all three but the thing that's so wild about this series is that the first film gets away with being pretty simple because it's the first film yeah there's they leave enough loose threads in that first film where it's like if they want to do a sequel they can expand upon his dead wife and the relationship she had with her or the, the space between when he was in the military to to modern day because there's not a, there's a very muddy area yeah. to when he was actually like an, a secret agent in Yeah, the we don't know how long he's been. Well, yeah. I think they mentioned at one point it's been like five years or something. Since he, maybe. Since he left or since he died or whatever. Yeah, since Quote, like, unquote, died. Yes, because, yeah, it's also He's off blood. the grid. Yeah, and it's... It's one of those weird things where it's like they give you a gap and they're like, we could talk about it. And then in the fucking sequels, they <laughs> never talk about it. Yeah. The film, the films almost, the sequels at least, seem allergic to developing its protagonist. Yeah. For some reason, the equalizer doesn't need anything else other than just helping kids or driving kids. Right. In yeah. lifts. I mean, the, driving old men in lifts. The third one feels like it's feigning at development for him and we'll get to that later yeah um, it feels yes. like oh he's at the, the end of his line and what is what does it mean to be robert mccall now um but like it doesn't actually do anything with that but yeah, yeah. absolutely the second one is not it's funny because that one's plot pertains even more to his background but we still don't learn anything about him yeah again um, like once again we're, we'll we'll ebb and weave yeah, yeah. because again d the best way i can describe this trilogy in a nutshell is these three films are best watched as compilation movie clips on YouTube. Yeah. Which is funny to think because when I think of Equalizer 2, like the first thing I ever saw the second film was the train fight or the train scene. Train scene. It's the very beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, But yeah. I never knew it was the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. And then you go into Equalizer 2. It's a cold you, open. It's a cold <laughs> open that's fun and is exactly what you're expecting. And then there's at least 40 fucking minutes of nothing <laughs> else but just Denzel driving people with lifts. Yeah. Feeling sad because his wife is dead. Yeah. And then just ultimately like not being a part of any plot other than just sitting in a chair. Well, and until yeah. he's forced to act, but forced to act is very loose. Yeah. In this and, regard. And, and that's that is kind of how all three of these movies operate. <laughs> yeah. And it starts with the first one and on one hand, I kind of want to be more forgiving to the first one because it's the first yes, one. Yes. Um, but also at the same time, it's like you're not exactly <laughs> selling me on this as a new franchise by 
having so little action it's, in the first one. But yeah, it's like mm-hmm. all three of these movies, it's like you have two or maybe three actual action scenes yeah. in the entire movie. These are no, two yeah. hour movies. Uh, yeah. Very close to, or some some of them over two hours. Um, I, yeah, two is 2.12. Yeah. I think the first film is two. And then apparently three is an hour 40. Does not feel like felt an hour. like two and a half. Two and a half. It felt like, it felt like two and a half. <laughs> um, and I was fucking shocked when I found out that it yeah. was only an hour 40. But like all of these movies, each one has like a cumulative five to ten minutes of actual action happening. And the rest is Robert McCall, yeah, wandering around the neighborhood telling people how to live their lives and and threatening bad guys um it seems so again it seems so adverse to actually making him just a private eye which i get yeah a private eye in a modern age is silly it seems silly now especially with the digital age a lot of stuff that like people would probably hire a private eye for you can fucking google Mm -hmm. and find a way to do yourself but at the same time when your when your alternative is oh he's just a Lyft driver that just so happens to find <laughs> jobs as he right. drives yeah that isn't a I don't think that's a equal or better alternative no. to just him being a private eye in yeah. a nor in like a, it's also it's also a little ludicrous <laughs> for for a series of movies that take themselves this seriously oh to my say God. like oh here's a here's a rideshare driver who just happens to stumble upon all of the worst things happening in Boston the, or Italy or the, whatever you know the oddest thing about this trilogy too is that if the equalizer came out in 2015 rather than 2014 i think most people would just assume the equalizer exists because of John Wick. Oh, yeah. Because John Wick does... I mean, these films... <laughs> like The Equalizer comes out the same year as John Wick, a month before John Wick. Yeah. And it's both two films about seasoned actors who are mainly not known... I mean, yes, Keanu, Keanu is was Neo. at one point, but, yes, but not anymore. gotten away from that. Yeah. He's not a young man anymore. <laughs> Like that's basically both these films are they're yeah. not young men anymore. They're um, the smallest reason that they go back into fighting is why they go back into fighting, yeah. and they both have histories where it's like, oh, you don't want to fuck with this guy. Yeah, and, I've, I've heard it called Jerry uh, action. I mean, like the yeah. subgenre, and I think, and that is kind of what it is. And if yeah, yeah, if this had come out after John Wick. A, yes, people would have thought it happened because of John Wick. And yes. also, I don't know it would, that it would have made nearly the splash. No, I don't think at, so. In a post-John Wick world. I don't think so. I mean, so. I know the first John Wick was not as, you know, crazy no, successful no, no. as its sequels, it was, it's, but, like, yeah. still and, had an impact. And also to clarify, the reason why we, we're not the biggest fans of this trilogy is not because it's not John Wick. That is not no. what we're saying. It's what it's, What's crazy, though, is you have these two <laughs> films that are technically in the same genre, and they and one is sleepy. Yeah, one. It feels like the expectation versus the reality of getting a seasoned actor right. into an action film. Well, and also it's fascinating that expectation is not entirely externally sourced. It's not just because of things like John Wick. Uh, just look at the way any of these three movies are marketed, including the first one. Look at the poster. Watch the trailer. These movies clearly are billing themselves as here's Denzel beating the shit out of men half his age for two hours like that's what you go to these movies to see that's how they are presenting themselves that's how they want to be seen that's how seemingly weirdly enough they seem to be viewed by people 
And what's also funny, too, is Which that Which is hilarious because of how little action yeah. is actually in them. And now it's like three years after this film comes out, and then when Equalizer 2 comes out, the same year I believe Equalizer 2 comes out, or maybe a year after it, is when nobody comes out. And nobody, in my yeah. opinion, is the best version of an Equalizer film we have gotten. <sighs> yeah. In terms of, like... It is a film that doesn't take itself seriously, but you are fucking invested in how they yeah. you know, build up Bob Odenkirk's character, why he's going back into what he's doing. It also feels very human because it's a midlife crisis is why right, he goes right. back into beating the shit out of bad guys. Well, and despite the <laughs> fact that he spends the majority of the film beating the shit out of the people, he's very obviously not invincible. No, Whereas yes. Robert McCall, like... Sure, he gets a couple scrapes throughout this yeah, trilogy, but think, like he really does not get challenged I, much. Again, I think the most scrapes he gets is in the first film. I think he gets shot and stabbed. Yeah, at well, in the third one, he has to have, basically get rehabbed by a by Enzo the doctor. But um, yeah, the, the clo- yeah the Enzo the doctor. The way you <laughs> said it like that makes it sound like a clue character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean this. Oh my god, the first film feels um, kind of almost to a goofy degree quaint yes um, because it it wants to be this yeah this denzel uh action vehicle here's this old guy who's like still way better than everybody way younger than him um but he only does that like two times and the rest of the time he's just kind of like your friendly neighborhood vigilante yeah um and it's it's you can't just very and that's okay for it to be small scale but it Mm -hmm. feels almost at odds with the kind of grand nature of the action because the action is presented in this almost like guy Ritchie sherlock holmes style where it's like okay he looks around the room he decides everything he's gonna do and then he does it in 1.5 seconds um Mm -hmm. and it's like ooh, that was cool when do we get to see that again 45 minutes from now okay and even then like i i think the funny the funniest thing about this trilogy too is like the best action scenes in all three of these films are the first action scenes. <laughs> Everything afterwards is either fine or like, is this really what we're going to end the film on? Yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, it's- the first one, well, never mind. I was going to say the first one probably has the best ending fight, but I take that back. I think I'd say the second one does. I guess. Yeah, but again, it's like... But again, yeah, all three of these fall asleep yeah. after the first five minutes. I mean, my favorite... I think my favorite kill is the most quaint of all three of these films, but it's when Denzel kills the fake construction guy in the diner with a book. Like, uh, oh, like yeah. basically, he, like, yeah. he knocks this guy out and then uses a book and then just slams the book into his <laughs> neck. Yeah. And it's like, that's so... That's yeah. hard. That's fucking cold. And yeah. there's so little of that right. as like, it goes on. The, yeah, these movies exude that energy. And those are the clips you see online. And like that's yeah. what's in the trailer is just this hard-ass fucking they're, old man killing people shit. And it's barely there. Like, these are... these You could argue... That these are not action movies so much as crime dramas with like a that, pinch of action. Yeah, it like, really. Like the town is more of an action movie than this, and, and it's, it's a, set it's in a, Boston. It's a better action, and it's film a better, it's a better drama, and it's a better you, action. You can't film. even say that it's like even trying to use Taken as a template because Taken is actually Taken's a thriller. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, people push it as an action film, and I think the sequels push more towards action. But that yeah. original film is like I think full blown thriller. Yeah. It just so happens to have 
pretty good action mm-hmm. sprinkled throughout, and and the story is more engaging in that than the action. Yeah. Uh, until you get to the point in that series where a fence is the biggest enemy from the Neeson. <laughs> uh, fence and the editor. <laughs> the fence and the editor. Gosh. God, after watching this trilogy, I'm fucking down for Taken. <laughs> I couldn't give half a shit now. At I was least like, the first one will be good. At least the first one. At least the third one, I think, will make us laugh. Yeah. The third film of this one just made us go, <laughs> Are there Why? only three? I thought there were more than that. If there's four, we'll do the sequels. <laughs> let's just make it Let's make it hard for ourselves oh, and God. just watch two, three, and four if there's a four. Yeah. I can't even remember if there is. I know there's a Taken show. Yeah. It was there for a little while. And then there's Stolen, the Nick Cage ripoff. There is that, and there's also is there's the new, totally not inspired by Taken decades later, but current Liam Neeson film where he's stuck in the car, yeah, with his son played it's... by Spider from Avatar too, <laughs> yeah, and his uh, his best friend played by uh, Matthew, Modine. Matthew Modine, and you know he's his best friend because tr- he says I'm your best friend, <laughs> and then blows up. Still need to watch that. Okay, that's yeah. that's that's an easy double feature. Find something else to watch for yeah. that. Uh, God, what else? Were we? Oh, yeah, we're talking about The Equalizer. Uh, going yeah. back into that, it is... I mean, again, it is, it's wild because it's like... in Hilariously, in between Equalizer 1 and 2, you think, like, they'll probably make Equalizer 2 by 2016. No, there's a four-year gap between the two of those. And you're like, well, what the fuck's going on between that? I think between that is Antoine Fuqua's uh, adaptation of The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Which, holy shit. Yeah. Is that so much more engaging yeah, and right. fun that, than anything in these so films? Much more and that life. also has Denzel. It mm-hmm. shows how good Fuqua can be with action. And cut oh, to these yeah. three films. He what has, the fuck? <laughs> he has so much stuff in his filmography. And I'm not even saying, like, great stuff, but, like, stuff with kinetic energy. He knows how to shoot action. Mm-hmm. He knows how to, like, put together a kind of espionage story even if it doesn't make sense or it's badly written like it works and it flows he he is solid in that wheelhouse which is why it's so baffling that these movies are so like asleep at the wheel and these are like huge movies for him like I mean, I, these have to be like what forty million? Yeah, yeah. Like like at least budget wise, there's no way that they're like yeah. The first one was. like 60 million i was gonna say it's and like made 40 200 60. million i was gonna say the first one i think um, made a shit ton compared yeah. to its budget because the first one got a lot of buzz yeah I remember second one made like, about the same and had yeah. about the same budget well i mean good for them i did not um, expect that the third one is the biggest budget of any of how them. the fuck is the third one the biggest budget yeah i don't know um, uh, that is the third one yeah while it looks i can't even say it looks better it just looks different is it because of COVID? Uh, I don't know. Restrictions? Um, it was not even because, I don't know. But the first two, I don't know if they were shot on oh. film or digital, but they, they look a little grainier, mm-hmm. and, and the third one looks a little bit more like polished, almost kind of that digital look. I think I know where most of that budget went for Equalizers 3. It was the coffee budget for <laughs> Denzel Washington. It didn't go into his Italian dialect coach. No, didn't certainly go into not. That. Yeah, that's, didn't go into oh, that. Oh, man, we'll get there, but... Um, Maybe (laughs) Denzel Denzel uses or speaks. Sorry, Robert McCall speaks many different languages in this trilogy, and um, his his uh, what is it? His Italian in the third one is the worst. Being okay, and then it just becomes like the most broken. Arriva Derci, like Brad Pitt and Glorious Bastards, and it's like, (laughs) where did this come from? This man like spoke like fluent any language like the the first two films have moments where it's like 
look at this fucking old guy. This old guy can't understand what we're saying because we're not speaking English. Yeah. And he goes, hey, guess what, guys? Breaks I know it more out. than English. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. They do that so many times, and it's still fun in those films. And then in the third one, he's just like. He's like a bumpkin. Uh, and he's like, yeah, do you have tea? Yeah. Like, it's like the most, like, basic. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's fascinating, I think, in terms of just thinking about how the sequels, at least, because, again, the first, the first film makes sense in why you make it, because it's like, after Taken, maybe you hear reports that Keanu is possibly going to make a comeback with an action film, and Denzel, uh, yeah. Denzel has had experience doing more action thriller films. I mean, the dude has Training Day. Man on Fire, Deja right, Vu. Like right. He's got a lot of stuff. This was kind of like an action 2000s. comeback type thing. Yeah, for him. he's done a lot of thrillers, yeah. a lot of like you know, you know, intense films, and so of course he could do it if mm-hmm. he wants to. And it's just, it's weird to go into this and see at least in the first film like the creativity surrounding like maybe Denzel doesn't want to do too much physicality in this. But sure. so they, the ending of the first film is just a Home Alone esque like <laughs> trap in Home Depot. Yeah. And it's like, clearly this is getting around the fact that he doesn't want to do more than just like the one fight with the big guy, really. Yeah. And they do it, I think, in an engaging enough way that it's like, this is a fun, decent enough finale. Yeah. And then in the second film, it is mainly just Robert McCall running away from a sniper (laughs) he can't see until he finally gets it to the tower, gets stabbed once, and then takes out Pedro Pascal. Which, again, what's also fucking funny about the series is, like, now how big Pedro is as an actor, I was curious to see, like, how he was used in two in terms of, like, did they know that he was going to probably blow up because he's just got some charisma to him, he's a good actor, mm-hmm. he's played villains and other things before. He gets introduced by a nonchalant Skype call and is barely right. a part of this film until it's revealed that, that he's, he's the villain. He's the antagonist. <laughs> And he yeah. has the most interesting idea in the entirety of Equalizer 2. And it's basically like, in Equalizer 2, it is established that like the bad guys in that film are mercenaries mm-hmm. that kill Melissa Leo, who is, a, who is Robert's best and only friend that was introduced in the first film. Yeah, she she's gets, a former colleague from yeah. his professional she gets too close to a hit that's tied to pedro and pedro is still in the federal system uh, as as an agent and so he has to snuff her out and then like denzel is like oh we used to take out the bad guys together and pedro outright just says like yeah because the military told us they were bad guys we never found out if they were (laughs) bad guys like what makes it any different than what we think are the bad guys now like it's so much grayer than what you're making it Uh and it's like in a better film that would like probably lead McCall to be like, "Fuck, like, right? He's not entirely wrong on this, and maybe you can even have a storyline where you have somebody that he like. There's a family member of someone that he's working with that he killed in a previous like in his previous right, life, right. and it's like, oh, that could lead to why you know this and that, like how pulling yourself from your bootstraps doesn't really help if you're the one that killed the fucking dad of this person or something like that. Yeah. But ultimately, what happens in Equalizer Two is he goes, no. I know I'm right. I'm the protagonist. <laughs> and that's the end of that conversation. And then the film just goes on. Yeah. It's so, it's so, you know, like, like he's, like Andy said, it's quaint. It's so straightforward. And it feels like every moment you could ask the question, what is the point of this existing 
if you aren't going to actively try to like develop any ideas that were existing before yeah. or new ideas or in yeah it, and the answer is literally like the studio going like a shrug like there's no answer like they're like i don't know like, like does it matter like you're still walking um, paid yeah <laughs> you're in like, the seat why do i care there are two obvious routes that you could take and the film takes neither which is lean more into just brainless action because yes. that's a good time you know the john wick movies do that insanely well um but then you have to kind of cross that option off because denzel doesn't really want to do that or slash isn't able to no judgment but like i don't know he's old um yeah but yeah or you lean into developing the characters so that you care about the story since you're going to be really story heavy without that much action it's, and they don't do that either and it's just yeah. like what what like did, if, what were you what are you trying to do yeah if you want examples of like the former you've got like bay films you got michael bay films yeah you got just, films where it's like the story could be engaging, could have some elements to it, but it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, or they it's, like, just, just enough to get you on board, oh, yeah. and then you're there for the explosion. Like, you know, a, a good modern example of a Bay film that does that is, like, I think it's called Six Underground, uh-huh. the one with Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds that movie yeah. is dumb as a box of rocks, <laughs> but there is some goofy, fun, interesting action that is, like, is it worth the two-hour runtime? I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen it since I saw it the one time, but I remember at the time being, like, they're trying yeah that's cool and then like the latter is of course unsurprisingly john wick yeah like you get to a point when you get to again it's weird that this the equalizer three comes out the same year as john wick chapter four which is i think now should be considered the gold standard for anybody trying to do american action just trying to look at it and be like not trying to copy it but see just how good everything is that film is running on all cylinders yeah where it's like that film is nearly three hours long, and it doesn't feel like it. No. Equalizer 3 is 100 minutes, and it feels like it's two and a half hours. And also, also, not just three hours long and it doesn't feel like it, but three hours long and I'd wager like 80 to 90% of that runtime is action. I think the last 30 minutes is like almost like action Entirely, to action yeah. to action to action. Yeah, like it's... those movies are nonstop, and this is, these equalizer is just the antithesis of that where it's like we gotta we, we're gonna include as little action as we possibly can and still market this as an action movie and yeah. the rest is just gonna be people talking meaningless things to each other like if denzel and antoine or or antoine fuqua just like came out and said we make the equalizer films for people that think john wick is too fast <laughs> i would a hundred percent be like you know what I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, yeah. I and I hundred percent get that because that's what these fucking films feel like. Yeah. Because when I think of like, like the well, moments, we can't have too much action or else people won't be able to keep up. Like the moments I think that I like in my head when I think of John Wick right now, like the first film, it's the nightclub scene, mm-hmm. like the one that it's just like boom, boom, yeah. boom. When I think of the Equalizer and I think of the first film, I think of the one scene when he's taking pictures of the bad guy as he's walking across the street like a cocky little oh, bitch yeah. and he runs away. Yeah. Where it's like, it's little moments like that. There's cheeky moments in that first film that are just not in two or three as much. Yeah. Three, I don't think there's... Three is weird. Three is not cheeky at all. Yeah, so we're gonna we're really gonna just like in case you haven't already noticed, thirty five minutes in, and already I feel like we're talking way too much about these films. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna hack sp- it in. We're gonna spoil Equalizer three. Yeah. And if you want to go see the film, if you genuinely like the other two films, I'm happy for you. I think you'll enjoy the third one. The, yeah, it is and worth so noting. Go see that. It is worth noting our 
kind of our opinion, both I, individually and averaged, is lower than the, the consensus. Yeah, like the, dis- people enjoy these movies. Yeah, for the I, most part, the consensus is not that they're again, great, but like people like these movies. I, they they have a good time. I, I was genuinely not expecting to dislike these movies as much no. as I do. Um, I don't. I don't hate them outright, but um, it is weird because at least the first two I can't really say on the third one yet because it's so recent. But at least the first two, like I have always just heard like good things, m- middling good things about them. Like, oh yeah, it's a good like turn your brain off and watch people kick ass movie. Uh, it's fun to watch Denzel beat the shit out of people. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what this movie looks like. So I'm glad to hear it delivers on that. And then I watch him and it doesn't remotely deliver on that. And I'm like, what movie did everybody watch? Because it's not the movie I watched. I don't, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. A- again, it shows just how far, like how long someone will go for Denzel. Yeah, I think, I think Denzel, his charisma yes. really kind of pulls the wool over. <laughs> people on these movies because to be honest like when we talked about another oscar like like trilogy i think there are parts in film like fences or j roman israel or even flight that while uh, roman j israel esquire thank you gosh how could i forget yeah. uh roman j israel esquire where it's just like for you you got sick of it well for me it's like i get that but like denzel was enough for me that i could push that aside yeah and i think the- a lot of people that's what they see. The Denzel factor <laughs> is a, is potent for a lot of people. Oh my God, yes. Um, I am probably in the, the vast minor, minority for having kind of a, a low Denzel battery. I love how Denzel is supposed to, again, he's supposed to be old in this film. Like They almost talk about him yeah. like he's supposed to be a decade older. Yeah. And one of the early scenes in the first film is like a girl, a woman that works with him at Home Depot complimenting about how good he looks. Right. Where she where he walks into a break room and goes, How's everyone doing? And she goes, Good now that you're here. And it's like he's supposed to be an old man. Yeah. And but they're still like, I want a piece of that cake. And right. it's like he's supposed to be like he's like he fucking references uh what is it, the pips? Yeah. Uh, he he claims that he was a pip for Gladys Knight. Yeah, and the Gladys pips. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's, he references Gladys Knight and the Pips and does the most old man ass dance right. I think I've ever seen Denzel do. Yeah. And he still pulls it off with some swagger of like this is just fucking denzel being denzel this is cute and whatever and it's just like god i was like there's an alternate reality where it's not denzel in this movie they don't get past the first equalizer film no right yeah (laughs) it's so shocking to to think not only is it shocking that we have (laughs) that we have three of these films and i'm that they're still consistently like well liked i'm glad they are but I was shocked when I saw the Rotten Tomato score for three. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It's 76% approval rating for three, which I can't believe. Yeah. But the fact that it's like, at the same time, there is now a reboot of the Equalizer show on CBS with Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. And that also is doing well to the point where its fourth season, I think, starts in like a few weeks. Yeah. They're like 30 episodes in and people like it. Like it's Denzel like, hasn't shown up in that, has he? No. Okay. I, I still say if they make an equalizer four, just put Queen Latifah's Robert McCall, <laughs> and I will fucking be there. Robin McCall. That's what she is in the yeah, yeah. and I know that's what she is in the new one, but yeah. like it's just it's just fascinating. And I think I this was the part of the trilogy I was not I was not expecting to get from these films because I thought like when <clears> Andy was like, Oh, we should do these because like, you know, the Vengeance trilogy is pretty rough. It's different. It's a thematic trilogy. We should do like it's just a straightforward trilogy, just to like do it for everybody to kind of understand. 
leave me a one for you, one for me kind of situation. Uh-huh. And also, it's it's something easy for us. We can put it on in the background and watch it. I did not expect to like watch Equalizer three and just be like, just fucking thrown for a loop, being like, why the fuck are we not doing anything? Yeah, I did not like, expect to be frustrated by these movies. <laughs> it's like, why are we not? Like, just like I really yeah. thought, yes, it would just be kind of a. I can casually watch this and have a good time and and not think about I, it. I just think it's again it's this so is, these sh- are trying movies. It's, it's so shocking that all the way up to John Wick Chapter Four, we are still seeing these same flashbacks to his dead wife yeah. that we get in the first fucking film, and it still works. And it's impactful. It's and that still act- all the motivation yeah, we need. Yeah, and that actress <laughs> is still probably gets at least some royalties I'm from sure fucking being in that film. And then in this film, they could do the same thing super easily. Yeah. Just pick a, just like, God, put. Give him a, like a fire under Jesus, his ass. Get, Give him something. Get Angela Bassett for oh, not even a day. I would kill. Get, get her for three hours. Do a beach video of go, dead wife Angela go, Bassett. Go to a Boston pier yeah. and just shoot like her eating cotton candy with Denzel and shit. Right. You just put that in all three of these fucking films and it's fine. Yeah. Like even then I can kind bare, of save bare it. Bare minimum would have sufficed. I think Equalizer 2 is the first time you see a physical picture, <laughs> like phys- like a visual of his dead wife. Yeah. They don't even talk about how she fucking died no like that's how basic general bare bones his dead wife like motivation in terms of like you know maybe i should do it for her possibly like yeah the fact that it's like yeah it's just it's so weird it's also so just like <laughs> i just don't understand <laughs> why they just don't want to do anything like it's yeah. just and again, it's like I, assu- I assume it's just like okay. I mean, maybe the first one they were they were you know testing the waters or whatever, and then after that, Antoine and Denzel were just like, well, we know people will show up, so just not put any effort into it. That was the one thing that was like had me quote unquote worried. Again, I had no expectations for three, especially after watching two. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what the fuck this is supposed to be. But the one thing that like made me go like okay i guess is like when they were doing interview stuff for three for like the show in movies and like in front of movies and stuff for equalizer three and it's fuqua and washington talking to one another and denzel just outright goes like yeah people just kept asking me when the next equalizer is and i'm just like why do you want another equalizer (laughs) and they're like because you get the bad guys you want to get and like antoine just laughs right and that's all we get in terms of like we have another one yep and it's like, in all honesty, because I was curious, is like, is the production, maybe the production aspect of these films is more interesting. No. no. Equalizer 2. There's like nothing yeah. to read behind these movies. Equalizer 2 exists because the first film was 60 million budget, makes 200 million box office. Yeah. So you make a sequel. Of course you do. This, Equal- is, this is Fuqua's and Denzel's uh, money laundering scheme. <laughs> ends up if that is revealed this makes us retroactively much more interesting <laughs> and yeah two, that would give these films some character and then two is successful as well and then there's a big gap because denzel's doing other shit fuqua is doing Better other shit. shit yeah and fuqua's doing weirder shit at least i actually yeah. don't know fully what he does infinite in or whatever he does infinite he also does emancipation i keep forgetting he oh, does the yeah. will smith slavery film for apple right, tv plus right but, like, because apparently that film is where he got introduced to the DP for Equalizer 3. Oh. But apparently for Equalizer 3, it's just, yep, they introduced it in 2021 that they're going to make another one. 
2022, they shot all the way up to January of 2023. <laughs> and then they just finished the film and released it in September of this year. Yep. And that's it. Like, it's, it's just so weird to see, like, this is a series that a total has spent over $200 million to make three films and make, as of right now, just shy of half a billion dollars. And the reason why is it is exists is because we can make them. Yeah. It's, and again, this, there's more, there are a lot of films that could fit this parameter too, but at a certain point, that good grace in that mindset is usually not enough after a certain no. point. Like, hell, even Marvel kind of has that energy, too, with, like, the Ant-Man films. Yeah. And with Quantumania, it's clear that it didn't, it wasn't enough. Right. To be like, I don't know, people just, Show it's Ant-Man. Up. Yeah. There he is. There's Paul Rudd. What little goofy <laughs> things is he going to do this time? It wasn't really, like, it made almost, it made as much as the other two films, and it was supposed to be, like, the serious, like, this is the one you're going to want to see. Yeah. And it made, it, it, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating, the fact that, like, these are just... This is just a trilogy that, like, you can watch and you cannot watch. And you know what? It's not going to make – it's not going to enrich your life or hurt <laughs> it in any way. It just exists. Uh, and that's a lot of media. To be honest, I think the Equalizer trilogy, I think, is a is a microcosm to, like, what a lot of what we're dealing with right now, which is just, like, the abundance of media. Yeah. Like content. This, Content, yes. Oh, the word content. <laughs> and it's like this is the kind of content that is like falls through the cracks and honestly is perfect for FX at 5 p.m. Yeah. Sunday. And just like your dad is like folding laundry, your mom is folding laundry, and they're like, ooh, I like Denzel. And they yeah. just watch the first equalizer. Yeah. Like these, these just feel like films that no one was clamoring for. And no one still feels like they're really clamoring for them, but, like, they're not going to not see it because they've seen the other ones. Yeah. So why not go see this one? And to go into three, because, I mean, we've talked about the most interesting uh, yeah. parts about one and two. Three is... Three is probably, the I would say, the weirdest of the three. It is the weirdest. And, and you I know guess, what? in that sense, the most interesting, but also the most boring of yeah. all three of them. Yeah, because three just feels like, if, again... If Antoine and Denzel came out and said, like, we made three because we were stir-crazy during COVID and we just wanted to get back into making just a straightforward, easy, you know, vacation to Italy type film. Yeah. And, you know, it would be a good time and kind of, like, get the rust off, you know, after being, you know, quarantined and doing these things with masks and stuff for so long. And if that's why they did three, like, ultimately, that would be understandable but as of right now like if they just made a three because it's like well the people wanted it there's (laughs) nothing in this film that feels like this is what the people asked no for no unless i mean unless you read some reviews where it's just like oh the action was so cathartic i guess this (laughs) really uh this movie where he has like no connection to anything that's going on um, it's Eat, Pray, Love with Denzel. This yeah, is what this fucking is. It's, and it's so weird. A very weird choice for kind of setting and plot in this one. Uh, Robert McCall is no longer in Boston. Uh, we we pick nope. up we pick up with him uh, on some type of mission, this, uh, this, a mysterious mission in Sicily. This Italy. film is so disconnected from Boston when it does have a single Scene. Boston <laughs> shot. 
the scene is interior and the location like b-roll of boston is from the first film yeah this is literally the same shot they use <laughs> to like show where like his old neighborhood right, was right it's just like jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay but yeah he is he has gone to italy to pursue somebody and like the the film really dangles out this like well we're not going to tell you why he's here um kind of thing and then you forget that the film dangled that as a mystery and you just kind of accept that he's here until the mm-hmm. very end and then it remi- it like finally reveals as if you were clamoring to find out why he's been here the whole time and you're like oh yeah i just remembered he has no reason to be here yeah except what they reveal at the end and it's, it's the same goofy quaint neighborhood shit from the first two that just brought him to Italy this time. Um, imagine if, like, in Equalizer 2, because we talked about the cold open on the train. Imagine if the cold open on the train, uh, he got knocked out, woke up at a random city, decided, you know, I'm not going to finish my mission. I'm just going to hang out in this city for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And then go, oh, that's right. I never finished the cold open. And then he just finishes the cold open. Yeah. And he actually, he doesn't even really finishes it. He basically just says, hey, Dakota Fading, can you finish what I was supposed to do before? Yeah, can you do this for me? Because it ultimately what happens, yeah, it's like the film opens with him being like, I have a mission to do. I need these black bags. He takes the black bags. Things go bad. He He winds up in a doctor's office. Yeah, he winds up in this gorgeous village, like this gorgeous city in Italy. Like it looks fucking, it looks beautiful. Yeah, but not because the film is like going out of its way to make it look beautiful. It's just a natural beauty yeah. to this Altamonte, place. Altamonte, I think, is what it's called. Uh, or something it's, like yeah, that. something around that. It's a little village. It's it looks fucking awesome. It's yeah. like definitely like if this is if, the, if this is like an Adam Sandler move. Like Denzel's like, I really want the third film to be in Italy because plot. But in reality, <laughs> it's like a vacation. Yeah, fucking go for it, dude. Uqua and Washington both just wanted to hang out in hey more power to you if that's the reason i don't i don't care if that's the case but like yeah. the fact that it's like it ultimately ends up being like oh yeah this guy a few weeks ago asked me to like i've realized he needed to go like get his pension fund back because these bastards stole it via the internet he doesn't say it like that but it almost is like felt like he talks like that yeah uh like he's gonna say on the web and he's like i just also found out that when i took that pension fund back that they were running like a cartel scheme for a bunch of isis terrorists yeah oops yeah well i'm glad i could help and it's like that's the reason why this is all like you have these fucking bags yeah because of this wacky thing it's a big reveal at the end um i guess yeah the the whole the film really feels like a a an unexpectedly long side quest in a role-playing game yeah um where it's like oh here's i picked up a a tip about something i'll go check that out on my way to like what i'm actually doing and then two hours later you've like toppled an organized crime syndicate it's like oh i didn't realize that's what was happening it's that is exactly what this is he is just trying to help a dude out and from his hometown and when he tracks down where his pension fund went, he mm-hmm. fucking stumbles on this town that's being, like, run by a tyrant gang of, you, of the mafia. Do you know what I think is a small change that I think would have made this film a lot more engaging? Honestly, if you did this one change, there's a good chance you could probably bring it up a star for me, or at least half a star. If he killed the kid. 
Uh, oh, if he, yeah. If he yeah, accidentally, yeah. like, because the reason why he gets, like, basically injured and has to be helped at this village in Italy is because he gets shot in the back during the opening action scene, and it turns out it's a kid that shot him in the back. Yeah. I think it would have been much more, because, like, the whole film in Equalizer 3 is, like, him being, like, am I a good person? Do I even deserve to be in this village because I'm I'm yeah. I'm not a good man I'm not a bad man which is a, a uh, question he asks himself once and never really returns it, to yeah it's a question that was kind of asked in two when he said no I'm the good guy fuck you and now all of a sudden he, he's, he's like I don't know anymore this feels like this would have been more appropriate had it not impl- like you don't know who shoots him he instinctively shoots back doesn't even think then, about it yeah sees he, that it's a kid and he shoots the kid and then he has this crisis of identity that would make sense because oh my god it's almost like there's a film that does the crisis of being an assassin and doing something like that and wondering if you're like oh that's right that's fucking in bruges <laughs> there's films that have actually done that incredibly yeah. well in a deserve- sleepy little european town no less Again, it's 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 not nothing that Equalizer three does is rocket science, but it's weird how it avoids honestly the easiest things that probably would yeah. just appeal to people. Easy fixes, just Denzel just strolls right by. Like he doesn't he doesn't fall. It's not like he has like a new wife or a new girlfriend. There's a woman at a coffee shop that is very pretty. She's and she's she, she's, it, she's into charming. Him. She's and charming. Yeah, that she kind of lightly flirts with him. He's probably she's probably one of the only people in the world that said that bald Denzel in the fedora looks nice. Yeah. Uh, and they go on a date together, kind of, and like, it could be like, oh, is this gonna be like, even on the basic levels, it's gonna be like a Doc Brown and Back to the Future three thing where it's like this is like a last minute love interest. It's like, <laughs> yeah. this is the person I want to be with. No. No. They She's, don't even go there. They're like more friends. I guess. Maybe they could be something. Maybe it's because there's, weirdly enough, it's because of the age gap. Maybe yeah. he actually is aware of that and it's not going to try and cruise it yeah. by like being like, I know you're half my age, but yeah. you're hot. Like, it's not going <laughs> to, they're not going to do that. But it's all, yeah, it's also things where it's like, there's another easy pull where it's like, you find out later in the film, Dakota Fanning's in it, which is like, I assume she's in it because. You know, a man on fire reunion, you know, probably one of the last times they were in a film together. She was a child. Now she's in her 30s. She's a federal agent in this film. Is revealed that she is Melissa Leo's daughter. Yeah. And here's the funny thing, though. (laughs) If she was Melissa Leo's daughter... Why would she have never met Robert, even when he was still alive? Yeah, Dakota Fanning is old enough. Like, she would have definitely yeah. been, like, around the house Melissa, when Robert goes yeah. over to hang out with Melissa Leo's character. She literally, like, left. Like, she would, like, fly from D.C. to Boston just to fucking eat dinner with Robert. Yeah. So it's like, why the hell would... Like, they were friends. It's not like they're right. friends after he died. Like, clearly they were friends beforehand and still yeah. friends now. She's even friends with her fucking dad. Yeah. Who's Bill Pullman in the first two films and is just Bill Pullman being there. Yeah, glad he didn't die because it's like there's no reason to kill this man. Don't right. kill this man. Um, but it's like the fact that when it's revealed that it's Dakota Fanning as Melissa Leo and Bill Pullman's daughter in the series, it's just like a okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot very of, useless name drop connection. A lot of choices that happened in three could equate to the clip of Tyler the Creator going okay. Yeah, it's like okay, that's that's what we're gonna do. Okay, yeah, that's how we're gonna start this fight. Okay, that's how we're gonna do this. Okay, like it really is just like 
I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, if, if again, if this is if if you see three and you're just like, "Fuck, man, this is good." I'm glad. <laughs> I I glad can't. For you. I, I can't. Like, I I wish I could watch three and be like, "Yep, <laughs> fun time." But no, I was just like, "Wow." It's, uh, yeah. Well, and it's we kind of talked about how like weirdly more somber this one is, like with his little, um, you know, his kind of very lightly introspective mm-hmm. attitude where he's like what am i what does it mean to be a killer am i a good bad person that's like 90 percent of the movie except he's not actually like investigating those questions he's just kind of like looking forlorn into the distance and like yeah yeah i guess the idea is that he's thinking about that but it's, it's not really explored the other weird like tone or style change this movie takes is with the action and that it kind of oh turns God. the action into like from being fight scenes into being like horror kill sequences where like you've got Michael Myers, you know, wandering around in the shadows, walking around the house, killing each person one by one. See, That's the, basically what the fight scenes are in this the movie. The goofiest shit in the first two films is usually the impromptu weapons that Robert used yeah. to kill people. Yeah. I mean again, my favorite kill Those in the whole the series fun is parts of the movie. It's it's the you know the book in one, there's the impromptu like spear that he makes out of like a broom handle and a knife in the yeah. end of one. There's the harpoon death. Yeah. There's also like the explosion in two, like there's so many creative ways that he like almost home alones his way around killing people without having to need a gun. Yeah. But when he has a gun, it's like easy peasy fucking fix it. Kind of violent MacGyver yeah. stuff. Cut to the opening of Equalizer Three, where when it starts, it goes hard and it's like, oh, this is fun. And then Robert McCall takes a revolver and shoves it cleanly through a person's skull. Yeah. Not just his eye. You see the <laughs> you see the barrel go through the skull <laughs> and pull out like cartoon style yeah in the most gruesome way possible and i think i looked at andy or you looked at me and said i think that's the most gruesome this series has it's gotten like the so most far. intense it's been like yeah and this is the beginning of a third <laughs> yeah <laughs> which like, like what for a second there it had me i was like i sat up in my seat because i was like oh they're not pulling their punches even though it's the third mm-hmm. entry they're going for it cool maybe this one will be fucking soaked in blood and just super cool and have tons of really intense action and then he gets but no shot by a kid once again we by by the two and a half minute mark we have already seen the best part of the movie um and the coolest action in the movie yeah. uh because the rest of them uh denzel stands in the shadows and jumps out like a spooky monster and kills people very suddenly and that's kind of how it works he doesn't actually fight anybody he just stalks them that's why i would like to give a blue ribbon or a special equalizer medal to (laughs) robert mccall's stunt double because i would not be surprised if this is like a mando situation where it's like not saying Denzel wasn't there for some of the scenes where he like sneak kills people. Clearly, he it's is all in silhouette though, and it's yeah, like, it just hmm. it is, and it's honestly like the the moments that are like I mean Denzel usually shows up for the very last kills of each of those sequences, yeah. Where and it's you know, hilariously well, then you watch him look weirdly sad and devoid of soul <laughs> an, after an, he kills people. Another funny thing too is Equalizer Three. 
to even show how much weaker it is than the other two is like both of the last two fight scenes which by the way there's like 30 minutes in between those two fight scenes they have literally the same pacing and structure yeah it's you, exactly the same you kill like the one henchman you barely recognize facially then you kill the other ones that are bigger and you kind of recognize more then you kill probably the right hand man of said person you're going after yeah. And then you kill the it's head. Just one by one working up the food chain. And, and then you kill the head in probably the most gruesome way possible, which is in the second fight. Yeah. It's like a knife. It's like he gets like stabbed profusely and then stabbed through the bottom of the mouth up into his head. Yeah. And then the last, which I would argue is probably, I'd probably say the coldest kill in the film is it the final kill in Equalizer 3, which is basically he captures a drug dealer and dopes him up to the point where he overdoses in the street. Yeah. And it's so fucking, it's nasty. It's also but so it's drawn like, out. It is. Because the dude tries to, you know, he's panicking because he's overdosing on drugs. Yeah. And he kind of tries to, like, crawl away from mm-hmm. McCall. And he crawls all the way through the house. Yeah. Uh, crawls out the door, which leads to the funniest. Down the street, and yeah. and Robert's just walking behind him, and you're watching all of this play out in real time, and it's like, just kill the guy. Which leads to the second, I'd say, I would say the second funniest part of Equalizer Three, which is when the drug dealer tries to push the gate open, and then Robert McCall pushes the automatic door opener, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he just like slowly walks behind yeah. him. The the most the funniest part about Equalizer Three is how it ends. Yes. Because, like, Andy can attest, when Equalizer 3, like, faded to black and directed by Antoine Fuqua popped up, I cackled. Yeah. I I cackled like a hyena for two seconds because I went, is that really? No. Yeah. That's how they're going to end a trilogy is, like, the most mundane, like, oh, my God, our team won the football game. Mm -hmm. Football, football. And he's like... Oh, I guess football is different. Oh, it's so much fun here. Let me jump in. Yeah. And it's, what the fuck? Yeah, it's very like, oh, I'm home now, we're, we're I guess. We're an hour into this, I, and I, I feel like we've happening. talked too much about this. Yeah. It's also <laughs> worth noting, I mean, a lot of people, I've, I've seen a ton of uh, praise for the kind of, like, horror stylings of the kills that, that I mentioned. Oh, and yeah. I, I can understand that. I get it, because, A, it's it's actually the most interesting choice this film makes is like changing its its yeah. style of action but i will say but why a why <laughs> yes a why because because the film makes no other attempt to like explore you know is he a monster is he like you know mm-hmm. blah 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 and b that horror tone that it adopts when it's time for the bad guys to get theirs totally incoherent with the rest of the film like totally does not fit the tone at all the rest of the film is this like weirdly melancholic kind of you know it would be sad if you cared but you don't so it's not but like this very gray kind of you know thousand yard stare type vibe and then when it goes into an action scene it's like legitimately trying to be spooky like it's weirdly i don't yeah he's literally you take on the perspectives of the bad guys and the tension is built from, Oh, when is Robert McCall going to jump out and kill this guy? Yeah, like and it's this, like, but it, you're on Robert McCall's side. So why, why is he hiding from us? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's oh. weird. Cause, um, Cause the way that he's killing these people, it almost implies that he's accepting that he's a monster in that 
If yeah. that's the case, I think logically he shouldn't want to stay in that little small village in Italy yeah. because he doesn't want anybody to. He has become be the shadow, or, and yes. he doesn't want to be yeah. the monster in the neighborhood. No, it's it, but it's not even a th- situation where it's like, no, I'm going to fight. Like it's either that or like he fights like a last stand. Yeah. Like I was also wondering. I was like I was wondering like because people there was a there was a quote I think it was like. ABC News, or there's like a, they, a stinger they use for one of the trailers where it's like the conclusion you asked for, or something right. like that, a satisfying conclusion. And I was like, oh, is he going to go like in a blaze of glory, or just yeah. like, is he just going to be a fucking regular PI now? Is he going to finally commit to that? <laughs> it's like, no, he just like, he's just like, he's I just, deserve yeah. happiness and coffee in the same coffee shop every day and no one to give a Which fuck who I am. Which is an epiphany he arrives at for no reason. It um, is, it is a film. It is yeah. of the films we've seen in 2013, The Equalizer 3 is one of them. That is uh, the yeah. best way to put it. Like you know, it's... I will say, I think it speaks to how well I've treated myself this year at the movies that this might, Equalizer 3 might be the worst 2023 film I've seen this year. It and might... it's not even, like, abysmal. I don't, might... I don't like it. I yeah. don't recommend it. But... I've done far worse in uh, yeah, any other and, given year. And, and I'm like, if this is the worst I've done, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. In in terms of like recent media I've seen that I've hate, it's not the worst. That well, is, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion but is that's our, not a, I think. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of film, yeah, that's what I mean. Because like in yeah. terms of movie, if there is something else that I would consider worse than this, I it's not coming to my head right now. Yeah. Like, I've already forgotten about it, which is a good thing. It was The Little Mermaid, but this is worse than The Little Mermaid. Oh, this is definitely way worse than Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid is at least watchable. Yeah. And it's like, at least with that, I can understand why. I I look at the movie, and I see the appeal. Yeah. Even if it doesn't appeal to me, I see the appeal. This movie, I I see no appeal. I I don't, I don't, yeah, we both are just like turned to each other, and we're like, (laughs) "Mm, I don't, what? Yeah. Why? Because I also was like, is Reddit shitting on this film? Like, what are other people saying about it that's not Rotten Tomatoes? And no, it's people just like... People are really liking this film. It's like, I like the kilf. And it's like, yeah. okay, I just... okay. I saw some dumb... I don't know if it was Vulture. I don't want to, like, blame an outlet incorrectly, but saw some article that was after this movie came out that was, like, retroactively calling The Equalizer a, a slasher trilogy in disguise. No. And I'm like, no. No. You, you Bad. Ha- if you've ever seen a slasher, this is not it. Um, yeah. I mean, the third one obviously comes the closest to that kind of thing, but it's, again, it's not the whole movie. It's just the action scenes that are like that. And yeah. it's like a totally different film during the action scenes. It's um, yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, I I get the Michael Myers comparisons and stuff because he does kind of act like that in the in the quote unquote action scenes. Uh-huh. You know, standing in the shadows and silhouetted yeah. in doorways and shoving knives through people's throats and stuff. But like, that's not what this. It's not what the entire movie is going for. No, it's, and it's yeah. definitely not what the other two films are going for. Yeah, if it was trying to go for a slasher trilogy, there's no way it yeah. would have. The people that talk about how much, like how good these films are, would not be the same people that like talk about like if it was a slasher. <laughs> trilogy. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a vastly different demographic, I think, and right. vibe for sure. Yeah, and yeah, that's I no, don't it's don't just do silliness. that. Bad. Don't silliness. Bad. Do don't do that. Yeah. Uh, also, stop it. Get help. Also weird, um, and this just kind of ties into my complaint with the like the horror shift that the third one makes. In those scenes, like at the end of each kill sequence, Robert like kind of does the weird like 
slasher villain or serial killer thing where he just kind of like sits and like stares at the body that he just killed or like does the you know like the killers in those movies will always like kind of stare and like cock their head to the side like a dog like they're just like studying their craft or whatever again he does that in this movie and it's like why and that you're not he's not portrayed as sadistic in the other two movies you know like and yeah and that shit's only scary and like fucking it, that shit's only scary in films like it's, w- yeah. it's slashers. It's just silly in this movie because it's like, here's this dude who we're supposed to like, and he's supposed to be this kind of righteous figure mm-hmm. who is, according to the last movie, always right. Um, and then in this movie, it's like, uh, okay, I guess when it's action time, he becomes a monster man. Again, and then yeah, he goes back like, to being just, just sad old grandpa. Yeah, in a film like this, like if you're trying to capture that, like, like an authentic like all oh, this guy's a monster like that's the way that you do it is is just be like they are cracking jokes or like i think of like a good example is like in the departed like when jack nicholson says she fell funny right like that's the shit you have to like, lean that's into the it. way yeah you have to lean into them being a sociopath and, yeah, and this movie is definitely not interesting being in so that. desensitized by violence that it's like when yeah. it, they don't see it as like a big deal no and it's like and with him yeah it's like this is just the weirdest way to characterize robert in a especially (laughs) in the third fucking film right it is the weirdest turn they could have taken and apparently it was enough to make at least 70 million yeah it's made its budget back i guess oh that's good i mean it was a 70 million budget and it's made about 70 so Okay, and it's probably gonna it's it's gonna It'll keep, keep going. It's gonna keep making Doesn't money. have a ton of competition the rest of the month. So. Yeah, I think this weekend uh, it might lose it just because of yeah. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, we record live. But oh the, yes, the Nun Two. The Nun Two. The Nun Two. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's gonna. Get, yeah, that'll that'll do some numbers. I don't, I, Andy. I don't know if you saw it in the trailer because I think they make it really subtle on the trailer. But the Nun Two is in the Conjuring universe. Oh. Even though we, because you know, even though we did the Conjuring trilogy, I always wonder. God, I wonder what films technically can count as the Conjuring universe. Well, thank God. <laughs> Like the like the Wizarding World logo in front of anything that's <laughs> oh, yeah. fucking Harry Potter related. Gotta have the Thank Conjuring God logo every Conjuring esque film has the Conjuring universe stamp. Right. I uh, can't wait for when that Insidious uh, spinoff comes out and they now the have Insidious like Insidious universe. Yeah, like I think it's called Red Door or some ah, shit. Ah, the they're, Red they're, Door they're universe. Gonna, they're gonna pick something uh. like that. It's yeah. Uh, the Equalizer trilogy is. It's a trilogy. There is yeah. really it, it it is I wish there was Again, neither of us expected to like have this bland of a time with these movies, no. I don't think. I think no. we were both kind of interested in the had you you'd seen the first one before? I have. And when I rewatched the first one this time I was like, This is fun enough. Yeah. Like it's like a six out of ten. But then like it kind of becomes a strike system where the second yeah. one comes out and it makes all the same mistakes and doesn't really improve a whole lot, and then the third one comes out and it makes all the same mis- mistakes and yeah. more and it's just like We've... okay, the the forgiveness is gone, the novelty has worn off. Yeah. What are we doing? Again, like we we've all we both have established, we're not the people that can just turn off our brains and not enjoy a film for what it is. Because in our minds, it's like that's not why I'm not going to a film to just do that. I would like well, to, like, yeah. Also, like the films that you know are generally people will call you know turn off your brain films. We enjoy on that level without yeah. 
like for us it's not turning off your brain for us it just it just works on a different level or we go in knowing that the film is dog shit yeah and we're we're surprised with the like yeah the entertainment factor yeah yeah, and this film is just like it's it sells itself as this is another good film in the equalizer trilogy and it's like what well yeah just like the other two it sells itself as here's Denzel going to kick ass for two hours. Uh, and it's like, no, he's going to kick ass for five minutes and you're going to sit through a bunch of dialogue. He's going to be called, a, he's going to be called a woman for wanting tea and then being like, okay, fine. I guess I'll wear a fedora and drink coffee. Yeah. And that's most of the film. It's, it is in the previous two films. He would have gone on some rant about how, why tea is important to him and coffee is bad or something. I get but in this it. movie, he just accepts it. <laughs> He's <laughs> just like, okay, yeah. I guess I'm not an old woman. I'll drink coffee. It's weird how like this is a this is a trilogy that like could have benefited from more little details without having to like force itself yeah. to care. Yeah. And this movie just doesn't even care about that. Yeah, there's no little like, details. Yeah, even in three when it co- yeah as soon as in three when they were doing like he was laying out the tissues to get ready to put a tea packet in his pocket. It's like, oh look, they're actually committing to that. And then it's just like someone goes. <laughs> You can't drink tea. That's a little wussy, right? And they're like, no. And he's just like, I guess it is. I'm going to do coffee because I'm in Italy. And it's like, yeah. then he just drinks coffee for the rest of it. He really just got, he yeah. got bullied into drinking coffee in the film. And yeah. he was full blown. Maybe that's why he's a killer in the film because he changed the coffee. Yeah, that's why he acts like a monster. Yeah. Um, no, like, I mean, even to us, when most people talk about films that are stupid and you can turn off your brain for them, I think even for us, most of those films, we can find things that I think the artistry is still there in the action and the design yeah, and sometimes the camera work. the stupidity is the artistry. I mean, honestly, yes. Like, especially, like, again, talking with something like Bay. Yeah. Like, the, artist, yeah, those, the artistry those is... Those movies in, would be less fun if they were any smarter. Like, like yeah. You know? Because the, the intelligence comes in, the honestly, the technical side of things. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's absolutely the technical side and it's the story. Bayhem, baby. Couldn't, couldn't care less about the story sometimes. yeah. yeah. And like, or like with the Fast and Furious films, those movies are dumb as shit. Mm-hmm. But like, I enjoy the fuck out of most of those films, sure. and it's and honestly yeah, clearly... they they know what they are, and they know oh. what their audience wants, and they and, give it. And when they, they get, give it to you, and they get the earnest moments right, even when they know it's stupid. A lot of the times, <laughs> if they do earnest moments, they'll get a good look. The Equalizer doesn't doesn't seem like it's interested no, it's, in anything. No, it's like it doesn't want to take its characters seriously and give them arcs. It doesn't want to take the action seriously and have a lot of it. It is. It doesn't want to have fun. It just wants to exist. It is. It is to film trilogies what oatmeal is to breakfast. Yeah. It really, if it wanted to add anything to it, it could, but it doesn't care. It's yeah. just there. It is. It's like you know exactly what this is. Just eat it if we, you want to. Sp- burst it up you can but we both like we each took a bathroom break in the third one and like at least in my experience you're not really one to take bathroom breaks i'm not either no i usually have no problem sitting through a movie but i was like you know what i have the slightest need i'm just gonna i I don't need to watch this right now i'm gonna gonna go to the bathroom (laughs) yeah i honestly didn't even go to the bathroom i just blew my nose (laughs) i was like i don't want to i i'll go blow my nose yeah usually even in a movie that i'm not like into or whatever i'm like well you know i'll stick around i don't want to like miss a part or have to get caught up or whatever there's like nothing to miss in Mm -hmm. this movie like it's a very very bland experience all three are kind of bland experiences yeah because um, these are yeah these are the type of films where you can take a long piss break come back and be like did yeah. i miss anything and they go no 
Leave you didn't leave as long as it's like within thirty minutes from the last action scene, you're fine because yeah. you know there's not going to be another action scene. Um, yeah, I only want to take a pee break when I'm forced to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when it's like, oh fuck, I got, I gotta leave. I get, I gotta, I gotta yeah. go to the bathroom. Nature's calling. Yeah, uh, unless it's something like, yeah, I think the last time I took a, I took a bathroom break was Dial of Destiny. Oh, and yeah. I don't think I missed anything with that either. <laughs> yeah, Dial of Destiny one. is better than this film, though. That's true. So for those people Definitely. who probably read my review or something and were like, ah, you're too mean to it. Hey, I will give Dial of Destiny this. It's not the equalizer. It's not the equalizer three. I will give it that. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah, that's the equalizer trilogy. Uh, I'm done talking about it. I'm more excited to talk about what our next trilogy well, is. You know, uh, one more thing. Sorry, I'm I'm staring at the uh, Equalizer 3 poster right now oh my and I God. just realized the it's the, the, the poster is Robert McCall sitting in a chair yes. um with uh you know, landscape behind him and I just realized the landscape in there is like the the skyline of Rome. He never goes, goes to, to Rome. Rome. He's not Rome is not in this movie. He even it's the, a sleepy little village in a mountain harbor even thing. Even the poster, like, even the even the designers were like, I don't fucking yeah. it like matter. he's literally in front of the Coliseum. You're probably the, the poster. You're probably the first person to realize that. <laughs> because like to me, when I think of that poster, it's like, yeah, of course. What better poster for the Equalizer three than Denzel sitting in a chair? Yeah, just chilling. Yeah. Well, like the first two films have like I think the first film is like. Him in the rain with a gun in his hand. The second one is like similar to that. The second one is just him like in inside of a big Roman numeral too. Um, Great, and that's then, fine. And then the third one, you know, the longer I look at this, the more my graphic design synapses are firing. And there's a lot wrong with this poster, but they knew nobody would care. <laughs> I love that. This is the perfect time to figure that out. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it in the intro of the next episode. <laughs> But please, Andy. We're finish, done. I'm finish, done. I was going to say, finish the episode and tell our oh, yes. view, listeners, viewers, tell our listeners what we're doing next because I am very excited for what's yeah, next. Yeah, the next one is uh, is an exciting one. We kind of took a little bit of a brain break with the Equalizer trilogy, but the next one is going to be um, some, some kind of classic films that we're going to be going back to. Yeah. Um, this idea came to me because I've been for the last year ish uh, trying to cover some uh, blind spots of my own in the Western genre. And uh, I'm, I'm working up kind of in chronological order. Um, and so I've gotten to the kind of Sergio Leone era, spaghetti westerns and that sort of thing. Classic. Um, I watched the Dollars trilogy and all that sort of thing. And. Um, I came across another trilogy that's um, by Sergio Leone that's kind of less known, at least as a trilogy. The individual films are known. Yeah. Um, and that is even... that is his, uh, uh, Leone's Once Upon a Time trilogy, um, which most people don't realize is a trilogy, A, because they're not connected by plot, and B, because only two of the three films actually have Once Upon a Time in the title. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. And that would be... Um, the three films are Once Upon a Time in the West, mm-hmm. famous uh, yep. Henry Ford, Charles Bronson Western. Been on my list for a while. Yeah. Um, the second film is called, um, I think in, in Italy it was called A Fistful of Dynamite, but in the U.S. Uh, it, it was called Duck, You Sucker. Um, what? It's called <laughs> Duck, You Sucker. Okay. It's another Western um, set in like the Spanish-American War, I think, or the Span- Mexican-Mexican. 
I don't know. Um, and then the third one is another uh, Leone classic, which is uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Yep. Not a Western, but um, still, basically all three films are kind of exploring different periods of American history and, and major social upheavals in American history. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a thematic trilogy. Um, and I've never seen uh, Duck, You Sucker or Once Upon a Time in America. So I'm excited to dive into those and and uh, take a take another crack at a thematic say, trilogy because uh, uh, yeah. that's kind of what the... Uh, the Vengeance trilogy was a thematic trilogy, and so that was really fun. And I'm excited yeah. to look at what um, the Italian king of westerns, Sergio Leone, has to say about American history. Absolutely, I yeah, I had no idea about Duck You Sucker either. Yeah, right? so I think originally maybe we can talk more about it on that episode, but I think that one was originally supposed to be Once Upon a Time in Mexico or Once Upon a Time in something else but okay. then they changed it all right well because of that and because of how long all three of those yeah they are, are long movies. and how our schedules are going to be because our schedules are going to get a lot busier as we get closer yeah. to october we're going to take uh, a little bit more of an extended time to get through those films and talk about what we want to do next and kind of figure out what october november you know december is going to look like so for the next episode it'll be september 30th mm-hmm so tune in on September 30th when we tackle Sergio Leone's uh, Once Upon a Time trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sawash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>